Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a brighter future is possible. This podcast will give you a fresh perspective on the world around you. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway around the globe that we call the conspiracy of goodness. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Everwidening Circles. Since 2014, we've been challenging the negative dialogue about our times by celebrating the insight and innovation that prove it is still an amazing world. And along the way, we have been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with you. Hello, and welcome to the Ever Widening Circles podcast, designed to give you more joy, less fear, and no end to the evidence that a brighter future is possible. This podcast will give you a fresh perspective on the world around you. We want you to hear from thought leaders in a wave of progress well underway in the world that almost no one knows about. This thing is so well hidden by the chaos on the internet that we're calling it the conspiracy of goodness. I'm Dr. Linda Ulrich, founder of Everwidening Circles. Since 2014, we have been changing the negative dialogue about our times by celebrating the insight and innovations that prove it is still an amazing world. And along the way, we've been having incredible conversations with thought leaders that we are now sharing with you. Today, I'm going to chat with Ben Connard a quintessential thought leader in the conspiracy of goodness of our times. I'm not even sure I pronounced your last name right. And I really love to have thought leaders introduce themselves. So Ben, take it away. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Uh, my name is Ben Kennard, so you got it pretty close. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm the founder of Five North Chocolate. We are a healthy chocolate snack company that is empowering farmers and celebrating diversity. I am a longtime fair trade advocate. So I've looked at and worked in supply chains around the world that are supporting farmers, helping them get out of poverty and really, you know, change the way that we as consumers buy and the way that companies are producing. Well, I'm so, so glad that we finally have an opportunity to really sink in and share a conversation with a whole bunch of people. I first met Ben in the early days of the Everwinding Circles effort when we went on a search for business people who were beginning startups with a social mission at the core, not waiting till they make money and then giving back to society, but a fundamental foundation in in making the world a better place. And for a long time, we had what we called a thank you note to Ben and Five North Chocolate on the sidebar of every single Ever Widening Circles article. We might get back to that, by the way. I hope you do. (laughs) (laughs) It is such a great concept because, you know, I'm a thank you note writer in my personal life, in my dental practice. We send out probably three handwritten personal notes every single day. And I was so inspired by your story that I really felt like somebody needed to be to start pointing to people like Ben that are consistent reminder of how gratitude can help us open a new era. So Ben, let's get to it. You know, I have about five questions written down that I really want us to dig into and we can go in any direction you like, because that's the beauty of, right. of this. In these times we just talked about it is like yeah. everything goes, <laughs> let's, let's all try and do the best we can. <laughs> so the first question I want to ask you is, Tell us enough about your origin story to have everyone understand that they too probably have a little bit of magic up their sleeves that they could share with the world in some way. 
and and maybe they just need about 20 seconds of courage to make a leap. So tell us about your 20 seconds of courage or or whatever it is that that's fundamental to your origin story and what led to our talking today. Sure, Linda. You know, people I, I would say the number one question that I get from from strangers and people that I meet is why chocolate? You know, why did you get started in in the world of chocolate or the world of food? And they always assume I'm a chef or, you know, I'm the Willy Wonka of, of our generation. Um, but, you know, the reality is, is I don't have a super sexy origin story. And I think that is worth sharing. You know, I really just had a desire to create a, a healthy candy company. I was kind of annoyed and upset with the fact that most candy on the market today is consumed with guilt, whether it be because candy, you know, is filled with ingredients that we're guilty about consuming, or it's because on the supply chain side, there are still farmers and, and children on farms who are being exploited for their labor. So no matter what, when we were consuming candy, when we were consuming chocolate, we were feeling some level of guilt. And I just was pretty dissatisfied with that idea. So the reality of it is, is that I was just a, a consumer who didn't like what he saw on the shelf and wanted to change that. So it's not a super sexy origin story, but I think that's you know a beautiful lesson to be learned that anybody can can be dissatisfied with what they see and want to change it. It's just see a problem, solve it. Totally. That works in our families, that works in our classrooms, that works in our business life. You know, there is a lot of waiting for someone else to come along. And that's part of my origin story. I'm not sure you know this, Ben, but I've been a dentist for 30 years. And for the first 20, I have my, I don't know, it's just a goofy thing about me, but it's probably wonderful is that I just love, love, love people. And we share laughter and smiles and hugs. And man, that's, that's a really hard, this is a really hard time for me because I have held people's hands and cried together with people and laughed together with people for so many years. So Mm. I'm struggling right Mm. now during the COVID. But anyway, what I saw in about 10 years before I met you was this growing sense of future fatalism. Mm. My patients that I'd otherwise known as super, super upbeat people were starting to question the future, starting to be fearful. And the overwhelming negativity in the news and our digital lives was Mm. really starting to prey on people. And that's why I started ever winding circles is because I saw a problem and I kept saying to myself, someone's got to do something about this. I bet you I said for five years, somebody's got to do something about this to myself a thousand mm. times. And then, um, <laughs> and then one day I got this extraordinary email from a, a young patient in the foxhole in Afghanistan. And it just, it set me up to say, well, I guess that someone's going to be me. So there must've been a moment mm. where you said, well, it, this is me. Was it a college thing where you you got introduced to a new piece of information that suddenly tipped the point? What was that tipping point mm, for you? That's a really great question. Yeah, really trying to dig deep for that twenty seconds of of inspiration. Yes. Um, yeah. And we don't have to go there. You might think of it as we go yeah, along. Yeah. Let me let me um, dig deep in, in my memory bank. <laughs> Because, you know, part of what we want to share with people on this podcast is that everybody can do something. Everybody can do something. Mm. And it doesn't have to be, you know, give 
people all the information to make a touchdown. Maybe it's just a play for their playbook or something that you've been successful at or what have you. And that's a message that we really like to drive home with Everwinding Circles is the conspiracy of goodness is actually gaining momentum by the one thing, by one thing, by one thing that individuals are doing to make the world a better place. Absolutely. So if you come by that aha moment in a minute, and the reason why I'd like you to, sometime we can even circle back to it another day, but because sometimes I think those moments come our way and we're too busy to notice mm. or we're preoccupied by all the overwhelming negativity that we don't, that we don't see it. I love uh, the thought leader stories because there's almost always one of those kind of episodes that makes you go, well, I guess it is me. (laughs) (laughs) So I do actually have, I, you know, thinking back, I do have, you know, a moment that I remember so vividly that really kind of placed the pressure on me to, to be the one to start instigating this change. I was on a farm in Ecuador in 2017 on a, a reality education tour through fair trade campaigns and we visited a cacao farm with with a few different farmers. And the question that I had for them was, you know, what what would it be that you would want chocolate consumers in the U.S. to understand about your work here on the farm in Ecuador? That's thousands of miles away from where that chocolate bar is ending up on the shelf. And they told me something really profound. They said that, you know, so much work and so much of their life goes into that end product. And they want the end consumer to be able to appreciate that, just to know that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt like right now, the way that so many products are made, we're not doing that. We're not, you know, sharing the stories of, of farmers on the ground. We're not really changing the way that people think about the food that they eat. And that's what needs to be done. And that actually our original tagline of, of our chocolate company was changing the way people think about chocolate. There are so many assumptions made about the food that we eat. There's so many assumptions made about chocolate and so much, I would say, disinformation. Lots of people think chocolate comes from a factory in Belgium, when in reality, it comes from a fruit on a farm in Ecuador from these farmers who pour their entire lives into this crop. Mm -hmm. And that was really, I'll never forget that moment on the farm. Mm -hmm. That was really a moment where I said, wow, like somebody needs to carry this message through and it needs to manifest into a product and it needs to get into consumers' hands and heads and hearts. That's exactly what I'd hope you'd share with us. <laughs> because it, there are these moments when we feel rooted to the ground. Mm. Yeah, why was a 19-year-old boy writing his dentist when he was at his darkest moment in a foxhole in Afghanistan? It's because I tried so hard to keep the humanity in healthcare. And mm. he knew, and since I had celebrate, I always find something to celebrate in people's lives, every visit. And, uh, oh, we're having a field day with that during COVID because patients are discovering the greatest things in their lives. Um, But that's it. I'd spent a lifetime professionally giving people reason to celebrate. And he knew Mm. he could turn to me in that moment. And that was it. And you have your story. That moment when when it it went from, you know, a, a curiosity to a calling. Absolutely. So tell us a little bit now, I'm, I keep these podcasts relentlessly upbeat and uplifting because I think there are so many better people in the world covering the negativity that we need to know about. I don't want to, um, I don't want to downplay how important it is that we, that we stay watching the news. I'm a big believer in 
telling, you'd think that I'd tell people to turn off the news yeah. since I'm <laughs> so much into positivity, but no, I think that the, <laughs> we have to know about the world around us. We have to rein in how much we consume because that's like junk food at some level, right? Sure. But, but it is important to know about the world and there are amazing people putting their lives on the line to cover the negative parts of our world, but we're going to stay positive. That said, I think there's probably some misconceptions that you could share with us about how chocolate gets in our hands that we fundamentally need to rethink whether we want to be a part of that. So share some of those things and then we're going to go into hopes and dreams. Yeah, sure. You know, that's, I think that's so important, Linda, you hit the nail on the head. Like there is, you know, a fire hose of information coming at us every day. And that is the reality. Sometimes we need to accept the reality and understand it and see it um, as negative as that reality might be. But we do need to make sure that the work that we do every day and, and the attitude that we have towards that work is really positive. And that was, you know, really, I mean, building this chocolate company was based around that positivity. And that was what fueled us as a startup, you know, that's operating on really lean margins, that's operating with very little cash. Sometimes the fuel to our fire was really positivity. And I would say, you know, that was the basis for creating the company was to change the way people think about chocolate, to give them a more positive outlook. And it was really to change those two negative pieces that I mentioned before, those two guilt-inducing pieces, if you will, about the ingredients and about the supply chain. And those were the two things that we set out to change. And I think that, you know, there's something to be said about when you have a positive mindset and when you have a base for an idea that is created entirely around positivity, it radiates through the next iterations of that product. And it radiates through everything that you do and everyone that you work with. So just last year, for example, we decided to kind of put some more icing on the chocolate cake, if you will. And we decided to stamp a seal on our package that claimed that we were a, a certified LGBT business enterprise. You know, I don't think we would have made that change to our package or, or introduced our customers to that statement on our package unless we were feeling incredibly positive about sharing that message and about talking about, you know, that hard topic, that, you know, reality topic that, you know, things aren't equal and, and, and not everyone is, is created equal in this world at, at this time. But I think when you have a positive outlook on it, you can take those realistic topics and, and create positivity out of it. And that's exactly what we try to do every day. Absolutely. I think it really comes down to the fact that we have a choice. I, I don't know if you can defend negativity, <laughs> right? Because, uh, of course, people want to call me Pollyanna all the time. And <laughs> I've lived and traveled all over the world. I, I, my kids have slept on plywood in Tibet. I've been in <laughs> very bleak places. And so I'm the opposite of Pollyanna. But I, I just think I have a choice of what I give my attention to every day. Absolutely. We all have that choice. And so I choose very carefully to give my attention to things that are forward thinking, that include a better world for everyone. And if you can get a little disciplined about that, good things start to happen. Definitely. I noticed your, your big presence last year on LinkedIn a lot. I, I haven't done much there at all, but I just noticed that, you know, you were this bright, shining voice when everybody else kind of seems sort of self-serving there sometimes. There are some really positive voices on LinkedIn, and I really appreciate all that because I know that takes time and effort. So as we go into um, the part in this podcast where I want you to describe what you know is possible, before we go into that, and I'll say a little bit more of that, that in a minute, 
tell me what we're up against. Like the chocolate is an evolving product in this world, just like the internet, just like John Deere tractor, just like (laughs) the sticky notes on the board behind me. So it's an evolving product. Everything is, especially in this kind of economy. Tell me what problems you're trying to solve in the world of chocolate. I just have to say, I don't think your average person knows or, or has any idea how chocolate actually winds up. And it involves deforestation and child labor and lots of things that we're going to, we're not going to focus on this podcast another time, maybe, but just give us some basic knowledge about what problems you're solving. Sure, Linda. You know, I think the really scary and not so distant reality that we're facing in the world of chocolate and more specifically in cacao is that, you know, the next generation of cacao farmers who are now entering the farming world, you know, in West Africa and Latin America and around the world on farms, they don't see a future in the cacao industry. You know, farmers do not earn a lot of money. They've grown up with their parents living in pure poverty. Many of these children in these next generations were not going to school and they don't see a future in cacao. They don't see how the world is investing in cacao because it's not, and they don't see how they can invest in their future in that way. So they're seeking other work. They're fleeing to cities. They are, you know, really, I mean, and rightfully so, finding work that will give them opportunity and a real future. And so as we see almost, you know, this lack of investment in uh, in farms around the world, we're going to see a cacao shortage. <laughs> we're going to see supply drop drastically. And demand for chocolate, if you look at any of the reports, has only increased over the years. People are learning about the health benefits of cacao. People love to eat chocolate. I mean, talk about one of the number one ways to cope cope (laughs) during COVID. Yeah. Uh, You know, chocolate is, is becoming a medicine to our society, but it's often the downfall to so many others. So The reality that we're up against is that we really need to make some significant changes in the way that we do business in the developing world and the way that we work with farmers. Farmers need to be, I think, a central voice in all that we do to bring chocolate to market. And they're not right now. And it's, you know, this shortage is going to serve us right. And so we need to I think that's really where where we need to start and understand is that the investment needs to go to the ground, to the origin of chocolate, where it really all starts. Now, when you say investment, I want to connect this to all of us ordinary chocolate eaters. When you say investment, you're probably talking about things like economic development, teaching better sustainable practices. You're talking about educating children on these farms to the the biology of the of the world around them so they can be sustainable and, and have a better life for their children. I mean, this is where we're at with a lot of things we need to rethink, right? I'm thinking it's maybe time to rethink education. Definitely. What are we going to optimize for, right? So one of the things I'm talking a lot about is that in the web world, I've learned that you don't even make a Facebook posting. A business doesn't unless you decided, you know, this word optimize for, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh, gosh, I, <laughs> What? No, you need to know whether you're optimizing for getting clicks on your website or getting likes on your Facebook page. You have to optimize. So I said, whoa, wait a minute. When chocolate was invented as an industry, it was optimizing for what? Profit for the top, 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 top people in in the chain. Yep. And now we're seeing 
by your what you just were talking about that we're going to we're going to be right out of supply sooner than later because now we need to optimize for the people who are actually producing it. 100%. I think that you can probably have no end to a, a future that you see in that light. So share us what, what makes you get up in the morning. Tell me what your vision of what's possible in the chocolate industry looks like from the ground up. Go for it. Sure. Wow, Linda, this is great. I'd love to paint a beautiful picture of, of what I think it can look like. And, you know, you use that word optimize. I say let's optimize and really democratize the, the food industry and and the products that we see in the market today for consumers. Give them, you know, the knowledge, give them the education that they need to understand what food really is and where it comes from and give them the power to make better choices. Oh, that's so beautiful. That is, that is not what I expected you to say. <laughs> you know, I think, <laughs> I, I really, I think that we're going to have a very hard time if we try to, um, if we try to flip the supply chain and, and flip CPGs, consumer packaged goods on their heads, I think we're going to have a hard time creating real lasting change unless the consumer is at the forefront of that decision. Because, you know, the reality is, is the world that we live in and what is powering capitalism is the consumer. And so why not give them a voice? Why not give them the power to choose a better product on the shelf? And all the while educating them on why that's important. That's going to fuel the fire. You know, consumers, they already do feel like they have some level of power at the shelf and, and decision-making power when they're buying something and where they're putting their dollars. And they do. But the reality is, too, is that I call it the three C's. Consumers are one piece of those three C's. The next are, are companies and corporations. They are the ones who are creating products and building these supply chains. So they need to be on board just as much. Third C is the country. So like, how are countries writing their laws? How are we interpreting the way that we can source product from other countries? And how are those countries on the ground writing laws to protect their own laborers? Um, so these three C's, I think they really need to come together. But I, I wholeheartedly believe in the power of the third C, which is the consumer, to make those decisions and hold most of that power. Hey, everyone, Dr. Linda here. I wanted to let you know that we just released my book, Happiness is an Option. In the book, I share insights you can use immediately to thrive in the era of the internet. Life is too short. What we are seeing on the internet, social media, and the news is only a slice of reality. But there are four simple shifts you can make to start seeing the rest of the story. And that story can send you soaring every day. The book is available online at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or by going to the website for the book, happieroption.com. So thanks so much for supporting us this way too. I see quite a wave of people consuming, leading with their values these days. I, I see it in your generation in particular, but you know, my brother who's 55 was just ranting at Christmas about trying to get two little light bulbs out of about a, a two and a half feet of plastic. And he was just going crazy about why, why we had to have that much plastic go into the waste stream with, with only for only two little light bulbs. And right. so I think people 
all, all kinds of people are looking for the common sense here. And it mm-hmm. is common sense that the more people know, the more they get to make consumer choices that are probably going to be better for themselves and their children in the future and stuff. So tell me more, even more about that. Like, how are you educating people? What's the best way to engage the consumer? Yeah. You know, I, I encourage all of our customers and, and everyone in my network, in my family, my friends, I encourage them always to look at the ingredients on a package. Those cannot lie to you. So I'm, I'm going to use chocolate as the example here with, with what it means to educate and change the way that consumers look at things. But when you, you, know, when you look at a, a packaged good in the U.S., legally, they, the company is obligated to put a nutrition fact statement, an ingredient statement, um, and they have to be created in a uniform way. So all ingredients are listed in descending order from highest amount to lowest amount in the package. When you turn a package of dark chocolate over, if the first ingredient there is sugar, then that isn't dark chocolate anymore. Wow. And that's what I want consumers to really recognize when they're looking at products that are on the shelf. You know, we as consumers, even though we might be tricked, even though we might be advertised or pressured to believe certain things about certain products, we still have the power to understand those products in our own more transparent way. And so that's where I start with customers. I say, turn the package over and look at the ingredient list. In many of them, you'll find ingredients you don't like, and no company can hide those on their package. Okay. This is a really good direction. I hadn't thought to go in our conversation, but let's along the way for the rest of our conversation, be sure to throw in practical because <laughs> this is another thing. You know, if my world is positivity, I'm not saying it is, but that's where people want to frame me. Then, you know, Hoping for the best is not a strategy. Sure. You're so right, Linda. I'm, right? I'm about practical positivity, okay? Practical is you can decide where to get your attention to, right? Definitely. Okay. So in your world, give me practical tips like that, that the ordinary person can just do like that. They can change their behavior. They can pick up a chocolate bar, what you're saying, turn it over, read the ingredient list, and if sugar is the first ingredient, it's gone. It, it, okay. So that tells us something. What would we find on the back of your package, let's say, or another good brand like yours? Yeah. Great question, Lena. On the back of our package, the first ingredient is cacao. How novel. And that is the fruit that makes chocolate what it is. Yeah. Right. So what an idea, right? The first ingredient in chocolate is chocolate. And I would say, you know, another, another piece that you can really look for is a fair trade certified seal. So look for you know, Fair Trade America, Fair Trade USA, Fair for Life, these are organizations, these are third party nonprofit organizations who are doing work on the ground to audit farms around the world and create certain criteria to make sure that those farms are abiding by standards that pay their farmers fair living wages, uh, that create good working conditions for them, that prohibit child and slave labor. These are the conditions that we want farmers to be working in. And when you look at, at seals like the three that I just mentioned on different packages, you have a quick and easy way to know that that supply chain is actually supporting farmers on the ground instead of exploiting them. Okay, perfect. That's a great... Okay, so you're ordinary person. I'm going to consider myself a super ordinary person <laughs> in the chocolate world. 
<laughs> this is what I love about what we do in Aurora Circles. There's like <laughs> experts that might write in and say, well, you tried to explain the Northern Lights, but you didn't quite get it right from right. a scientific standpoint. And I say, okay. <laughs> but if we, if we get really, really, really close to our best of our ability, then that scientist can look at our article the next day about bull riding or amazing things, that trees talking to each other in the forest. Yep. And he becomes an ordinary or she becomes an ordinary person that day. So if I put myself in, and I really am in the ordinary person category for chocolate. <laughs> um, okay. So what I do is I turn the package over. I see that cacao is the first ingredient. I look for some fair trade signs, but you know how our world is. Yep. There are people out there who are trying to trick us with signs. Yep. So we might have the best intention in the world and see a symbol there that we think is trustworthy. Are there some that are not trustworthy? Sure. And, you know, honestly, Linda, we could probably have a whole podcast just wow. on, you know, different seals and different organizations and how they work and which ones are, are better and which are, are not as great. What I would recommend, um, you know, Google has become our best friend in a lot of ways. As a consumer, we should be in the habit of and we should really be exercising the tool that we have of doing our own research. <laughs> Crystal so, thinking. Right. So, I mean, really, research the company of the product that you're buying. Everyone has a smartphone. When you go into a, a supermarket and you're buying off the shelf, you can look on your smartphone. You probably already have it out and you're already <laughs> browsing yeah. something on the web. So uh, use that tool to your advantage. Do a little research on the company. If you see a seal, find out what that seal means. Is it a nonprofit? Is it a third party? Is it a you know for-profit company? Is it a seal that was created by the company itself, that's a big red flag if they're not using, you know, a third party seal. Okay. Those are the things that I think that you should find out when you're looking at products on the shelf. And honestly, just do some research, find out what that company is doing to create a better world, to create a better product, to create a product that's better for you as a consumer. You know, I'm going to shift some of that responsibility to the consumer because we are the ones ultimately making the decision at the shelf. And all the better if you're shopping online, you have no excuse because you already have your web browser open, right. open a tab and do some more research. I'm not going to give consumers the responsibility to make the perfect decision. I don't think there is a perfect decision out there always when we are shopping and when we are making these decisions, but I think we can make better ones and, um, and voice your opinion too. you know, tell the company, praise them for what you like that they're doing and ask them to change what you don't like. Lovely. I love that. I think that you're going at this as such a bridge builder. Mm, mm. Two things before we get off that subject, and then I wanted to talk about bridge building. I'm, I'm publishing a book on September 1st called Happiness is an Option. And it's really about all that I learned going from an ordinary web user to web publisher in seven intense, intense years. There's so many things that I hit myself on the forehead with you know, once a week going, what, this is how it works that I'm going to share with the world. So they know how to navigate their digital lives and with a lot more joy and, and uh, less fear. So anyway, there's a part in the book where I try and give people a little coaching on how I decide who to trust in exactly mm -hmm. the situation that you just described. I'm standing in a normal grocery store that's trying to make some effort towards getting products like yours on the shelf. And I have two or three choices and the normal one. And I turn it around and I look at those seals and I don't know which one to trust. And then I tell people in the book to do just what you said. Just 
hop on the website. Now, tell me if this is true, if you think you agree with this, and you can feel free to tell me if you don't. But I always say, have a good look at the website. Look at their about page. And if it looks like it was written by a marketing firm or some computer, scratch your head because most of the people who are doing really good work in the world, the conspiracy of goodness, are going to make you feel like you'd want them for their a neighbor. They're, you're going to see something there about a real passion for public responsibility. You're going to look at their Facebook page and see that it celebrates wonderful things that you would celebrate. You're going to feel like you'd want this person for the neighbor. And if a company doesn't have those things in their web presence or their digital footprint, scratch your head and look at a second one. (laughs) But then once you pick that one, you don't have to do it over and over again. You're talking about standing in front of the shelf one day for a minute or two. And then you always know you picked that one forever. I mean, that's brand loyalty and all that. But tell me, do you have any thoughts on any of that? I do, Linda. And I think, I think you're right. Like, you know, especially when you're looking at the about page and you think it may have been written by, you know, a marketing firm, find out if that brand has a person behind it or find out the people behind that brand. Oftentimes, if the person behind that brand or if the people on the team behind that brand are true change makers, if they're true, you know, pioneers in the movement that they're trying to create, they believe in doing it well. And they're not afraid to hide their face from it either. And I think that's a really big piece of it too, is when we you know, really put ourselves on the forefront of the things that we want to change, that is seen by consumers. So look for the people behind the brand. And then we usually have better judgment in, in how we trust people than we do things and brands and statements. So look for the people first. Oh, that is a really, really profound statement. I'm just going to rewind to that. We usually have better instincts about trusting people than we have about trusting brands or corporations. I, I'm going to ask my engineer who's listening in on this conversation to write that down. I'm going to give Love you credit that. for it over and over again. I think to recognize, I talk about a lot about how our brains are wired in the book and, and not a science way, but just in a fun way, just to know, understand ourselves. And that is so true, right? We really, we are built to, to sum up the other and decide whether they're dangerous or whether they're going to give our life value and progress. And I think the best corporations are starting to get that. The big, big boys, and they're doing things like we uh, that are very good in the world. So tell me about how this work would work. How about your story informs the story of somebody else who keeps doing like I just described at the beginning of the podcast, saying someone has to do something about that. Tell me how your story, I'm, I imagine it's been a roller coaster ride. And that always gives people that are kind of in the trenches right now that might be listening to this podcast some some, some courage. So tell us a little bit about the roller coaster ride. Tell, help us understand the kind of perseverance it takes, but also the making of the taking of opportunities. Because we started before we started recording today talking about missed potential. I hate missed potential. And I'm sure there are times that things have come your way in your story that. You just pushed, like like I said, a, a couple 20 seconds more for courage than you than you thought you had or opportunities that you might have missed. That, tell me, talk a little bit about that, because I think everybody wants to do something these days. Really, and it can be something as like going to the grocery store for an elderly neighbor. It could be whatever. Tell, tell us a little bit about your journey, the things that you would recommend to somebody who's just starting out on the journey or who's wanting to decide to do something good in the world. It can be large or small. 
Sure, Linda. You know, I'm I'm actually gonna quote a friend of mine who she she sent me a text yesterday, which was really powerful and helpful for me because the journey is really hard sometimes and you can get really down on yourself. And my friend Kristen, if she's listening, she told me, you know, so often and especially in your case, the the work is there, right? And sometimes you don't hit the mark of quote unquote success but the work is there and you need to celebrate first and foremost, the work and effort that you put into it. And then the successes that you do have, you also need to celebrate and recognize because those will really help keep you going. They'll kind of give you some mileage, if you will, on your journey, because the, you know, the failures and the pieces that bring you down are going to be ever present and they will only continue as you grow. I actually equate it to the, I call it like a bucket theory, So when you're like in this small bucket, you're trying to fill it up and move on to the next step. But once you move on to the next step, you're in a much bigger bucket. And it's like you're starting from scratch. You're trying to then fill that bucket up. Um, So we're all in our own buckets on this this big, long journey. And when you're at the bottom of the bucket, it can feel so scary because you just came from what felt like a success. And now you're on to like step two or level two. And you're starting almost from the beginning and it really takes it takes courage to fill that bucket up again and i think to recognize that that is just part of the journey the down is just as much part of the journey as it is the up if you will anticipate that gravity will bring you down and you throw it right back up you are in a much better position to get through those lower points oh, that's such a great I, I think it's a great piece of imagery for people also, I, I think that probably in that imagery involves the fact that with if you're doing good in the world, no matter how large or small it is, what you're doing is everybody's floating up with you. You've got a whole group of people that are lifted up by your work too, right? Absolutely. Tell me a story about some hard evidence or some hard occasion when you said, oh my God, um, I took somebody on a journey that they couldn't have gone on without me. I'm going to keep on this track. Tell me a story like that. Sure. Yeah. You know, I'm thinking back to maybe one of the, like the hardest, I'll never forget the hardest part in the beginning was, was getting our product to the shelf, like physically producing the product, logistically sourcing the ingredients, packaging it. We rented a a commercial kitchen by the hour during the early months. And I would go into that kitchen in the middle of the night when no one was there so that I could work more efficiently. And I would spend eight hours from like, you know, between 6 and 8 p.m. until like 2 or 3 in the morning um, at this kitchen all alone in the middle of the night. And it was really tough because, you know, I was on a schedule, you know, literally being charged by the minute, had to get this product, you know, produced and out and ready to go. And there were occasions you're, I have no culinary background, right? So I started with like absolutely zero understanding of how to create a food product, let alone chocolate. And so there were so many occasions where I just messed up completely. I, you know, destroyed a batch. I, <laughs> you know, overcooked or overfroze or, you know, I did something where I just completely messed up. And what ended up happening was I spent eight hours for absolutely nothing, you know, maybe five or $600 worth of ingredients, which is a huge deal as a startup, you know, to create absolutely nothing. And at that point, I'm, I'm, completely depleted of energy. I am completely deflated and depressed from from all of that activity. So 
that was just a really hard part of the journey. And what I had to recognize was great. That was my, you know, one day in the kitchen that week, I'm scheduled for the next week, and I'm going to go in and do it again and do it better and make it work. So I think the consistency was what kept me alive. And knowing that I I just had to try again. Otherwise, you know, I wasn't ready to give up. (laughs) Yeah. And and somehow we never do. I mean, how long has this project gone on for you? If you kind of over three years. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So every day, yesterday, I was talking to a thought leader, Linda, at principal, Linda Wayman. Boy, that's a TED talk for you. I asked her this last question I'm going to ask you now. And Mm -hmm. she said something beautiful about how every day you get a chance to just start over. That's the great thing about the sun coming up in the morning. It's just like, oh, and you take everything you learned in the last day with you. Yes. If you're wise, right? So, okay. So let me ask you this last question. What reminds you every day that it's still an amazing world? Is there something that happens in, in a day or that you like to nurture? I think it was Pascal who said, you know, always keep a, something of beauty in your mind to refer to during the bleak times. So what reminds you every day that it's still an amazing world, Ben? I would say two things remind me of that. One is like really just the the people that I keep around me. So whether it's my friends or my family or my network, you know, the, the people that I keep around me, they truly remind me that it is an amazing world. I would say... It, you know, the the second thing that really does remind me of this, when we look at something like chocolate, and maybe I won't use, okay, I won't use chocolate as the example again, because I really want to prove my point. I'll use coffee as the example. When we look at something like coffee, what a simple yet extreme luxury that we have in this world to drink something like coffee every day. I mean, think about it. This is like the bean that's inside of a fruit that grows a thousand miles away or thousands of miles away that is then harvested, washed, dried, roasted, ground, and then we pour hot water through it and we have it shipped, you know, all the way to us here in the U.S. The fact that we can enjoy such a simple yet extreme luxury every single day and sometimes multiple times a day in our life reminds me that this world that we live in is just so incredibly interconnected and it's all driven by people. You know, people were the ones who discovered that coffee even exists. People were the ones who decided, hey, I'm going to roast this bean one day and grind it down and pour hot water over it. Uh, You know, people discovered that. And then every single day, people are the ones who are making it possible for us to enjoy that luxury every day. And to me, that is amazing. That is jaw-dropping. And that is something that we take for granted. And I try not to. These are the things that we're trying to celebrate. Thank you for reminding me of that one. I think we, I mean, this is it. We have to start choosing what we give our attention to. And celebration of the things that we are easy to take for granted can definitely be something that enriches our lives. Absolutely, Linda. So this has been so great. I think we could talk forever. I know we're going to talk again pretty soon because I've got a little notebook written here and I thought of five things I wish I had time to talk to you about today. So we'll get back at it very, very shortly. I want people to know what the best place is to, you know, to connect with your phenomenal work. Just go ahead, give us the pitch. Tell us where to find Five North Chocolate and all the information we need to know about this product. Yeah. 
Of course. Thanks, Linda. Yeah, of course, you can find us on our website at fivenorthchocolate.com. I would also encourage you to check out, there's another, there's a great site that we're also sold on along with another, a number of other cool products called Done Good. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, kind of like the ethical Amazon. Um, So definitely give them a look because they have a ton of other awesome products and they're doing great work in the world. And for me, you can find me on LinkedIn pretty easily. Just search my name. I should come up and I'm happy to connect and continue this, this great conversation further. Great. I I just can't thank you. I can't thank you enough for sharing this story with us. You know, what we're hoping to do with this podcast is take people on a little journey. They couldn't have gone on without the thought leader that I'm speaking to. And you have certainly taken us on a nice, nice little journey of possibility. Dive into the ever widening circle universe visit us at ewc.co and you're going to learn about people exactly like Ben Kennard who are changing the negative dialogue about our times. It is still an amazing world. What we see on the internet is only a slice of reality. And there are so many thought leaders in the conspiracy of goodness of our times that are, it's a rising wave of progress and goodness that's just being hidden by the chaos. So thank you, Ben. We're going to um, sign off now, but uh, we'll talk soon. And uh, I can't tell you, you've, you've taken me on a little journey. Thank you so much for having me, Linda. All right. Have a great day. For more information about our guests' work or the subjects we mentioned, check out the show notes for the links. And as always, dive into the ever-widening circles universe by visiting us at ewc.co. That's short for ever-widening circles, ewc.co. If there are students in your life, turn them loose on the education site that we have at ever-widening circles. You can find that at ewced.com and subscribe to the ever-widening circles app. People are always asking me what they can do to help. This is the number one thing you can do to help our efforts. For less than a dollar a month, you will have the antidote to the daily news right in the palm of your hand with our app. And that $1 will help us send a signal to content creators that people will support positive content. And big news, (laughs) we will be hosting the first Conspiracy of Goodness Summit on October 4th. You can get tickets to that and be able to enjoy the recorded program thereafter at cogsummit.com. Cog is short for Conspiracy of Goodness. C-O-G Summit, S-U-M-M-I-T dot com. I hope all these connections to goodness and progress carry you through your week and you start finding all that joy and wonder we've been talking about.